This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. In the blackest, in blackest day, in darkest night, no audio shall escape our might. Grab your earbuds. It's time for the Sonic Society. Meanwhile, back in the ward, Warren. I can have the Audi take me right to David, and we'll find out exactly what's going on. Cross your fingers, Jack. Here we go. Shut off the sonic feed monitor, Rory. But I want to see what happens to Dad. But the story's getting so confusing. Don't you think we need a pause? A pause? Yes, a break in the action. A chance for everyone to catch up. What do you mean? I mean, don't you think we need to explain to people that Dad and David have been flying through various audio worlds to explore brave new radio dramas in their flying version of the TARDIS called the Tortoise? Time or a radio drama? Something or other. Exactly. And that Dad has been captured by someone in the Tortoise. And David is evil and working with... Vidic! The robots are obsessed with video instead of audio. But Dad has now pulled the Audi. Another device to transfer people through audio space. That was once fused in the heart of the Tortoise. But has sent him elsewhere. First to Icebox to fight the Gular. And now he's jumped to Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Hidden Harbor Mysteries? I'm not playing the Say It Three Times So People Remember game. Say what three times? Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Don't! So Dad is now shooting back to David. So he thinks. But we have to take the time to explain all this to people. At least we have the vit scanner Dad gave us to keep an eye on him. Well then... Well what? I agree. You need to explain it to everyone so they know what's happening. Do it during episode one to three of Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Fine. Well, David was a Time Lord from the Darker Projects Doctor Who. Farm Report will be heard over most MBS affiliate stations. Tonight, expect partly cloudy skies and another warm summer evening, leading to rain showers over most of the listening area tomorrow morning. The time is now 7.59 p.m. Coming up is a new adventure series from WDOX in New York on the MBS Regional Blue Network. Brand Cigarettes, the mildest, smoothest brand of smoking tobacco in the land, brings you Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Tonight's story takes us to the mysterious city of Hidden Harbor. It is a time of war and hardship for millions of Americans, many of whom live in a city of lies and corruption. But there are those who will fight for truth and justice in this hard, broken city. Heroes like the one you're about to meet. But before we do, I want to tell you about another kind of hero. Dr. Archibald Folsom of the University of New York, a prestigious medical institution, is one of our heroic veterans. Dr. Folsom was part of the last great war in Europe, aiding our French and British allies against the Kaiser's army. 
For his many awards and medals, Eagle Cigarettes salutes Dr. Folsom for his service. A lifelong smoker, Dr. Folsom has this to say about the health benefits of smoking Eagle brand tobacco. When I had time for a smoke up along the front lines, I was glad to find Eagle Cigarettes in my care package. Smooth, refreshing, and satisfying, Eagle Cigarettes gave me that extra lift to get back to my feet and to fight on. It is my opinion that there is no more healthier or more satisfying cigarette than Eagle Cigarettes. Ask for them at your pharmacy counter tomorrow. Thank you, Dr. Folsom. And now, to Hidden Harbor, a playground to the underworld, and by night, a hunting ground for predators and criminals. It is a city of light, beset by a cancer of darkness. Join us now in Hidden Harbor for a story called... The Wrong Turn. Did you enjoy the show, dear? It was a wonderful show, Thomas. And a wonderful evening, thank you. It's not often I see you in a suit. I enjoyed it. How about you, son? It was okay. I like the swords and the acrobats, but not the kissing. <laughs> well, one day, I think you'll appreciate the kissing, too. <laughs> Ugh, more kissy. Eyes on the road, dear. Thomas, do you know where we're going? I thought the bridge out of town was near the theater. Well, it is. But the city has all those one-way streets, so I have to go east a bit to go west. Though now that you mention it, I've lost sight of the river. Why don't we stop and ask directions? I'm not sure this is a neighborhood where we want to stop. Dad, why are people burning stuff in barrels? To keep warm, Bruce. Can't they just go inside and light a fire in their fireplace? Dear, not everyone has a fireplace. Or a home. To be honest, I'd heard that things were getting bad in Hidden Harbor, but look at this place. Wow, people camp out here. They have tents and everything. It's like the newsreels of the war. This place is frightening, Thomas. How can people live this way? And so close to the theater district. People are staring, Thomas. Please, take us home. Take us home right away. I'm working on it, Martha. None of the stoplights are working, and I can't find any street signs, and... What's this? Men in the road. Lock your doors, sweetheart. Why? Do as your mother asks, Bruce. I'm not sure what they're doing. They just came out of nowhere. They're directing you left. Oh, good. Turn left here. Around this burned-out corner store, I hope this takes us back to Main Street. Don't hit anyone. There have to be a dozen men out there. Are they playing baseball? Some of them have baseball bats. I... There's no road here. Just an alley. And it's a dead end. I... Can you back up? Well, not without running over the men behind me. Don't open the window. Stay quiet, Martha. Hello. Would you mind lowering your window, please? Yes, of course. Oh, hello. We, uh, appear to be lost. I sensed as much as you were coming up the road back there. My name is Michael. I'm part of the Neighbourhood Watch, sir. Lovely evening, isn't it? 
yes. And you are? Oh, of course. Thomas. Hello, Thomas. Hello, Mrs. Young Man. How is it you be strolling through this part of town tonight? Well, we just left the theatre and we're on our way back to Quail Town. And I guess I missed the bridge. Quail Town? That's out in the countryside, isn't it? Been there once. Lovely place. Oh, thank you. I'm on the town council there. Well, good for you, sir. Good for you. Now let's see about getting you all back there straight on, right? Oh, good. Thank you so much. There's just a small matter of the toll, is all. Sorry? You're in Luddit, sir. Luddit employs the Night Watch to help keep it safe, and that's all we're doing. That applies to nice families such as yourself who use our roads. If you wouldn't mind, sir, we'll apply a toll here and guide you back to little old Quail Town, all warm and dry. Well, I can't put a price on your courtesy, Michael. How much is the toll? Five hundred dollars, sir. What? Excuse me, did you say... Yes, sir. Since you are not on the Nightwatch program of full coverage, there is a slightly higher deductible on the insurance we provide, particularly when you consider the value of the property and persons requiring protection. Wait, that's ridiculous. I don't carry that around with me, and even if I did, it's extortion. Ridiculous. I have fifty dollars. Thomas, fifty? Fifty dollars, which I'll happily share for directions home, sir. Well, that hardly covers my overhead, what with ten percent of the deductible. We do have the option where you can waive coverage altogether and be on your way. I would suggest that lacking our protection in this neighborhood may end up costing you far more than the deductible. You have a very pretty wife, sir. Thank you. I presume the boy has very soft hands to match his face. No darkness in his eyes, neither. Fifty. And my watch. What do you want? Let me take it up with my adjuster, Mr. Spittle. Mr. Spittle, please. I have an issue here with our customer. Mr. Spittle doesn't speak much. He tends to shower people with his vocabulary, if you get my meaning, sir. He tends to speak with his hands. Please step out of the car, sir. I will not. Leave us alone. We've done nothing to you. We... Ah! Dad! Thomas! Put me down! Mr. Spittle is our adjuster. He will decide whether or not to approve any changes to the terms of our insurance policy. Again, you can choose to not file a claim and be on your way. But again, we're not responsible for your body. Or her body. Or the little knee-biter in the back, if so. You're breaking my arm! Please, what is it that you want? As I said, five hundred dollars, sir. I see the missus is dressed to the nines this evening. She has some lovely baubles there, which might help us negotiate to a more fair deductible. Fine. Martha, 
Give him your jewelry, your purse, turn it over. Fine. Please take it all. Take my purse, take the car, anything. Just let him go. Mommy, why is he hurting Daddy? Thank you, miss. Just take them off and leave them on the seat. I'll collect and appraise them presently. Now, once we have that, we can discuss terms for the balance. You can decide if we keep your wife or your boy until the remainder of the deductible is paid. Make sure you give it to me, boss. Mom! Get your hands off me! Protection is expensive, you see. Take my car. It's a 1947 Ford Roadster. Few miles. Excellent condition. Well, that's a fine offer, Thomas. What you think, Mr. Spittle? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Mr. Spittle's not big on machines. He never could wrap his mind around the relative value of transportation. He prefers to go places on foot, you see. He's more a pound-of-flesh person, if you follow me. You don't mind if we look through your fine vehicle to see what we can make of it? Bloody hell. <laughs> Oi, what are you lot doing? It's just a bit of weather. Mr. Spittle, you uh, may want to keep an eye on the rooftops, if you please. What? What is that? Nothing. The wind is a merry prankster. Please, don't shoot my Thomas! Ain't him I'm worried about. What are you waiting on? Get that thing. You look frightened, Michael. What's going on? I ain't afraid of nothing. Where are you lot going? Get back here. Mommy, I'm scared. Hush, Bruce. Stay close to me. Now, now. You stay right there, loves. Otherwise, I will show you how easy a man can break. Hello, Michael. Who's that? What? That voice. Right near me. A, a whisper in my ear. Michael, what are you doing? Where are you? Mr. Spittle, find her. Michael, leave these nice people alone. Get away from me, spirit. So confident you are. You didn't bring any extra bullets. Not that your weapons can harm me, Michael. How do you know me, spirit? How do you... Every man has a song. I can hear yours. And once I hear your song... I know all I need about you. What? There you are. Just a common tramp. All fishnets and heels. What is he talking about? Martha, get Bruce into the car, quickly. You? How could you do all that to my boys? To Mr. Spittle? I choose to appear as you wish to see me, Michael McBrien. Not as I am, 
As for your boys, they succumbed to their own shame. They were shown a mirror to their own darkness, and they died from the weight of their shame. Would you like to see what's in the mirror for you? No. No! No! Get in the car. What's going what on? What is it, Thomas? I don't know. He went crazy, started talking to himself, and I... Who is that, Mommy? Who is... Oh! Goodness, she's an angel. Thomas and Martha Kane. Hello, Bruce. How... How do you know us? She's so beautiful. Thank you, Bruce. I am just a spirit. You don't have much time. I'm giving you the memory of how to get out of the city. It is the fastest route. Of course. Why couldn't I remember that? Three lefts and take the Gibson Street ramp to the bridge. I must have gotten turned around. Go. When you get to the end of the bridge, you will remember nothing of tonight. You will sleep well with fond memories of tonight. You will not remember me. Aww. You are so lovely. Your imagination is getting the better of you, Thomas. Think about your beautiful wife next to you. Go home and appreciate her. And Bruce. I know you. I... I'm sure I've seen you before. It does not matter. You must forget. Now go before the mob returns. Go now and forget. Thank you, spirit. Thank you. Samaritan who saved the lives of the Kane family. Where did she come from and what is her game? What's going to happen to her in the lecherous clutches of notorious gang leader Michael McBrien? Tune in tomorrow as Eagle Cigarettes brings you another chapter of Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Hidden Harbor Mysteries, Chapter 1, The Wrong Turn, was written by Jay Smith and produced by Brian Lincoln, with Dave Robinson as the narrator, Veronica Jaguer as the ghost, Rish Outfield as Michael, Brian Humphrey as Thomas, Lauren Harris as Martha, Renee Chambliss as Bruce, Alex White as Folsom, and Brian Lincoln as the affiliate announcer and Mr. Spittle. This podcast is released under Creative Commons Attribution, No Derivatives 4.0 License. Closing music is Here We Go Again for the First Time by Juicy Melon Jim. Visit our website at hiddenharbormysteries.com. This has been a Brian Lincoln production.
Eagle Brand Cigarettes, the mildest, smoothest brand of smoking tobacco in the land, brings you Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Tonight's story takes us to the mysterious city of Hidden Harbor. It is a time of war and hardship for millions of Americans, many of whom live in a city of lies and corruption. But there are those who will fight for truth and justice in this hard, broken city, including a sassy apparition who, having saved the day for a family of three running the insidious gauntlet of Luddit's neighborhood watch, finds herself in the clutches of its leader, a lecherous limey by the name of Michael McBrien. We'll join our story again in a moment, but first... Friends, are you concerned about smoker's choke? It's that burning, choking feeling in the back of your throat you get from smoking cheap, no-brand cigarettes? Well, friends, try Eagle Cigarettes for their smooth, smoky taste and refreshing zip of energy with no burn and no smoker's choke. Nine out of ten doctors interviewed say Eagle cigarettes are the safest, smoothest, and most satisfying brand they've ever tasted. Eagle Brand is proud to bring you tonight's chapter of Hidden Harbor Mysteries entitled Death Gives to Charity. Did you forget about me? What? Now then, look at you. Nothing but a fragile little doll, aren't ye? Where do I know you from? Did you used to work for me, love? Did you spread for me at one time? Is that why you come mucking about in my business? As I said, I appear only as you want me to appear, not as I am. But I see you very clearly, Michael McBrien. Two-bit thug for the Cardigan gang, murderer of men, ravager of women. You know a bit too much for your own good. You may have gotten the drop on my boys. Even on my enforcer, Mr. Spittle. But now, I've got you. You are going to regret this, Michael. Oh, no, dear. You are going to hurt very much. Good girl. Now that I have you where I want you... Let's talk about punishment. Just tell me one thing, Michael. Please. Sure, love. What is it? How exactly are you going to explain to your boys why you're trying to ravage your second in command? What? Look around you, Michael. Your men are confused. <gasps> oh, my God. Mr. Spittle... How did you get there? Explain it all to them, you lecherous cur. Explain why you're on top of his helpless body, forced between his legs with your lips on his... What the hell are you doing, boss? D don't just stand there all slack-jawed, you oaf. Shoot the witch. What are you talking about? 
What witch? <laughs> I am a spirit. You cannot touch me unless I wish it. You cannot see me unless I wish it. <laughs> You're about to come to a bad end, Michael McBrien. I wouldn't want to be where you are when your large enforcer wakes. He's a pound of flesh kind of man, isn't he? <laughs> what? Oh no. I, I can explain. I can. Uh, Mr. Spittle will need a little more explaining than that, boss. <laughs> Across town, a slender figure slips unnoticed into the skylight of a hidden harbor art museum in Midtown. Through a dusty attic cluttered with sealed crates and sheet-covered statues, the figure glides down a flight of stairs hidden by a cleverly disguised doorway behind a rolling antique mirror. Soon, the figure emerges into an unremarkable hallway leading to an unremarkable office at its end. Not a ghost, not a shade or a spirit, but Barbara Wilson, wealthy young heiress and head of the Goat's Art Museum of Hidden Harbor. Anyone home? Barbara, welcome home. Hello, cat dear. Sorry I'm late. I'll talk to me while I get ready for the fundraiser downstairs. Oh, I admire your choice in gowns, cat. I only picked what I'd like to see you in, Miss Wilson. Sorry. I'm glad you like it. Did you find out where Horace Mule was hiding out? Yes. I sent a little note to our friend, Detective Hart. I had to stop on my way back to keep the neighborhood watch from doing a number on a couple of out-of-towners. I'm afraid that if I was just a rumor on the lips of drunken thugs before tonight, this was my coming-out party. <laughs> That's swell. Think your name will be in the papers? No, but it will be on the lips of every gang lieutenant in Luddit. Tomorrow it will be all over Hidden Harbor. This would be so much easier if I could just make everyone see me as I liked. Yes, but there will be photographers downstairs, and you don't want 60 people seeing 60 different gowns and hairstyles. Thank you, Cat. I was just writing a wish. Almost ready. I'm covering up a bruise. I love the concealer Casper and Krieg worked up for me. Were you hurt tonight, Miss Wilson? Not of McBrien's men laid a hand on me, but I misjudged a fire escape railing, and it bit me right on the shoulder blade. Oh, shoot. Well, I'll just have to make everyone believe it isn't there. Good thing Casper's working on some new gear for you. He's got some things to show you in his lab downstairs. Oh, well, I'm glad he's earning his keep again. He showed me designs for a... well, he called it a suit. It looks more like armor. It's kind of vulgar. Oh, I can't wait to see it then. What other items do you have for me, Cat? You have three messages from various charitable committees. I trust you can handle those, or forward them to the appropriate member of the Foundation for consideration. And you have calls from Mr. Foster regarding the fundraiser tonight. Which I imagine must be in full swing by now. The last message reflects his somewhat dramatic protests at having to go alone once again. I'll handle Mr. Foster when I make my appearance. How do I look? You can read my mind. You tell me. Shocking, Miss Sparrow, and unladylike in the extreme. <laughs> Message received, then. One moment. Oh, it's all right, dear. Come in, Casper. Evening, Miss Wilson. Cat. 
house, my favorite mechanical genius this evening. I hear you're working hard. Like a Moloch in his cave, Miss Wilson. I need you to sign these invoices and requisitions. Two letters as well. Thank you, Kat. You can say what's on your mind, Casper. What's that? That my gown is a little too lace and billowy for your tastes. Well, since you said it, there is hardly any need for me to repeat it. I expected a more Lauren Bacall uh, torch song number in satin. You know, to distract from your late arrival. Ah, but I know as much about fashion as you know about engineering. <laughs> yes. In those cases, we each know just what we like. Oh, speaking of, Cap tells me you have some new clothes for me. They don't have high heels, do they? No. I have the plans downstairs for after champagne and posh-posh time is over. It's a charitable event, Casper. If you owned a suit, you could attend. Yes, I'd fit right in with that crowd, Cat. Oh, dear Cat, you're addressing a man who refers to his costume ideas as plans. I think you're slapping granite trying to get through. Well, you're always welcome, Casper. You need to master your self-doubt. You're a handsome man and a worthy catch to many of the young-moneyed ladies of Hidden Harbor. So you want me to be a kept man, then? How is that any different from being in your situation? You've got a new name. Enjoy the life that goes with it. Wow. Cat, Monday morning, ring up Friars to send over a tailor for our Mr. Dixon. You never know when I may need you in a tuxedo. Well, I hope that day never comes, ma'am. <laughs> I take that statement as a challenge, Casper. I'll see you and Dr. Krieg in your lab tomorrow morning, say, nine? Lovely. I'll set out some tea and biscuits and have a string quartet in our chemical closet. Sounds divine. Oh, that's the last of the paperwork. I noticed that the Coldstone artifacts are not on the list. Correct. The owners would like you to call on them before they agree to donate them to the collection. Uh, make a note to ask me about this later. How much later? A day after Casper wears his new tux in public. <laughs> Two stories below, in the old stone chambers of the Goat's Art Museum, some of Hidden Harbor's wealthiest and most influential citizens are gathered as guests of the Harbor House Orphanage Charity Event. An event hosted by Barbara Wilson each year to ensure the lost boys of Hidden Harbor have hope for a brighter future. Among the glitterati are city councilmen, ministers, pastors, and businessmen, great and small. Keeping it all together and running like clockwork is Barbara's friend and companion, Edwin Foster, the handsome young heir to the Foster chemical fortune. Thank you so much for coming, Mrs. Haversham. How is Mr. Haversham these days? He is still under the weather, I'm afraid. His travels to the south of America have left him exhausted. But he sends his regards to Miss Wilson. By the way, where is that lovely girl? Oh, you know how it is for a woman in business. She has to work twice as hard just to keep pace with the captains of industry. Well, she should settle down with a nice young man and let him do all that work for her. Don't you agree, Mr. Foster? I certainly do, Mrs. Haversham. If only I could keep her attention for more than a few moments, I might pass that advice along. Oh, Edwin, you know if I stopped for a moment, the money would just dry up, and where would that leave the children of Harbor House? Or us? Hello, Mrs. Haversham. So good to see you again. Barbara, 
You look lovely, dear. Yes, it is so good to see you. Finally, Barbara. This city needs a lot of work, and there are fewer and fewer of us who care to do that work. I'm afraid. Father Nelson and the boys of Harbor House appreciate your support, Mrs. Haversham, as do I. I hope I can have you and Agar to the house again one day. I'm frightened by the future those boys have, Barbara. With this war grinding on, what future do they have but putting on a uniform and heading off to that charnel house of a war in Germany? I simply believe we must work to end that war and find a way to crush communism forever. I hope we can bring our boys home soon. Seven years at war is seven years too long. We'll crush the Reds, Mrs. Havisham. Just you wait. With the help of our German scientists. Do excuse me, Barbara. I must say hello to Basil Hinton before he dives into the gin again. See you in a while, dearest. Is it me, or is the crowd smaller than last time? The mayor declined this time, saying there were pressing matters at City Hall. He sent that ferret of a deputy. He's been fondling the help and feeding himself sandwiches and champagne for the last hour. These things always give me a headache. How do you think I feel? I feel like the host in this Pont Savaru. Oh, stop it, Edwin. You love the attention. Come with me and let's say hello to some old friends and something's not right. What is it, Barbara? The servers aren't from Honorees. No, these are replacement caterers from Julian's. Henri's was closed by the health department this morning. They aren't servers. They what? Get upstairs right now and call Chief Grayson. Do it quietly and do it now. Why? I... All right, my dear. Amelia, may I have a word with you in the back? Slowly mingling with the guests of the party, Barbara Wilson keeps a keen eye on the men and women serving food and drink. They circle the room with cold, distant expressions, robotically halting with each guest's request, casting glances around the room carefully, but always in the direction of a small man in a tuxedo holding a glass of wine near the entrance to the art gallery. Creeping into the thoughts and feelings of her guests, Barbara quickly ascertains there is a threat to her guests. Quickly, but carefully, she moves to greet the center of her concern. As she approaches, Barbara is shocked to realize she cannot see into his mind or feel any emotion from him whatsoever. Good evening, sir. Welcome to the Getz Museum. I don't believe we've met. I'm Barbara Wilson, owner of the gallery and head of yes, the... Yes, head of the Museum Board of Trustees. You are lovelier in person than in the newspapers. Thank you. Mr. Rathborn. Heath Rathborn. I know you very well. I'm an alumnus of the Harbor House School, which you and your father financed all these years. Why, that's wonderful. It is good to have you here, Heath. Now that you've arrived, Barbara, I want to share with you personally what Harbor House means to me and my colleagues. Gentlemen, the word is given. Put those guns away. This instant. What do you think you're doing? We're collecting for the Harbor House, my dear. Hello, everyone. If you would be so kind as to keep calm, this part of the evening will go by quickly. As the men and women who served you this evening come by, please deposit all valuables into their collection bags. Well, I never... Now, see here. 
How dare you terrorize these people? I am the deputy mayor of Hidden Harbor, and I demand you surrender yourselves at once. Please, calm down, Mr. Paulson. These men are armed. Shut your mouth. This is your function, and I'll deal with your carelessness later. As for you, you little weasel, tell your little thugs to drop their weapons before there's more trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Deputy Mayor is right. It is very rude of us to come here waving our guns around, which is why we are conducting ourselves politely and professionally to assure you that we are not madmen. However, I cannot tolerate irrational men who are out of their depth. No! Don't! Caught among the hostages, how will Barbara turn the tables on this gang of callous crooks? Will she reveal her secret of supernatural power in front of Hidden Harbor's elite citizenry? Who is this mysterious man called Heath Rathborn? And why is Ghost unable to read his thoughts? Tune in tomorrow as Eagle Cigarettes brings you another chapter of Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Hidden Harbor Mysteries, Chapter 2, Death Gives to Charity, was written by Jay Smith and produced by Brian Lincoln, with Dave Robison as the narrator, Veronica Jaguer as Barbara Wilson, Rish Outfield as Michael McBrien and the Deputy Mayor, Laura Nicole as Cat Sparrow, James Baxter Patton as Casper Dixon, Johnny Feisty as Foster, Lauren Harris as Mrs. Habersham, Pat Crane as Heath Rathborn, and Brian Humphrey as a thug. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. Closing music is Here We Go Again for the First Time by Juicy Melon Jim. Visit our website at hiddenharbormysteries.com. This has been a Brian Lincoln production. Cigarettes, the mildest, smoothest brand of smoking tobacco in the land, brings you Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Caught as a hostage during the robbery of her charity ball, Barbara Wilson is unable to manipulate the mind of the gang's leader and is faced with having to reveal her powers in front of Hidden Harbor's elite, including the deputy mayor, who is in imminent peril. How will Barbara save her guests from these dastardly bandits? We'll find out in a moment. But first... Friends, when you're out for a night on the town, don't you wish everyone around you smoked a smooth, satisfying brand? Eagle cigarettes contain a unique tobacco blend that is always inviting, always delighting to you and those around you. So don't pay more for tobacco that will put your friends at arm's length. Smoke Eagle cigarettes, and you'll always be the center of attention. Eagle Brand is proud to bring you tonight's chapter of Hidden Harbor Mysteries, entitled, A Matter 
of the mind. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Deputy Mayor is right. It is very rude of us to come here waving our guns around, which is why we are conducting ourselves politely and professionally to assure you that we are not madmen. However, I cannot tolerate irrational men who are out of their depth. No, don't! Everyone, stay calm, please. That's right, Mr. Deputy Mayor. That was a warning shot. You didn't deserve it, but we're not here to kill. We are here for... The lights! Everyone, stay where you are. Just stay calm, please. What's going on? I can't see anyone. Get those lights back on! Get... Now just lay there and bleed, mister, or I'll shut your lights out for good. Look above you, enemies of justice. What is that? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Look upon me. See your own soul. See what you truly are. Look upon your fate when the end of life comes to you. As the specter of doom circles above them, glowing in the light of judgment, <laughs> other figures take action, throwing open the doors to the museum and escorting guests to safety. Men and women with guns fall silent, staring into the eyes of the spirit. Some, unable to cope with the truth about themselves, fall dead away. Others, terrified by what lurks in their hearts, flee the museum, screaming in terror of their own souls. Meanwhile, in the part of Hidden Harbor between the bright lights of Uptown and the long shadows of Downtown, sits the Al Rene Building, home to Club Penumbra, where dark desires of the rich mingle with the bright aspirations of the poor under the spotlights and over the candlelit table of its grand ballroom. This night, among the many chambers and offices of Club Penumbra, we find one Mr. Greenstreet, a grossly large, balding man lounging behind a table for one set with the remains of enough food for four. As he surveys the table for any sign of a plate or morsel he's overlooked, his unconventional dessert arrives. Mr. Greenstreet, the Roshenkos are here. <laughs> Excellent, Sandra. Please show them in. Hello again, Mr. and Mrs. Rosenko. Thank you for coming. Pardon me for not getting up, please. Join me. Thank you for seeing us, Mr. Greenstreet. Of course. We have business to conclude, do we not? Can I get either of you anything? Wine, tea? No, thank you. We've come about your offer. Of course, you look lovely this evening, Mrs. Rosenko. May I call you Mishka? Y yes. So nice. Well, you've come to a decision, I suspect. We seem to have no choice. Since we spoke last, we received a visit from the Homeland Guard. We were interviewed and told that our family back in Russia is part of the Soviet bloc party. Because of this, we may be sent to an internment camp in Nevada. Perhaps for the length of the war. 
ghastly. You have no communist ties, I've checked. I tried to tell them this, but it was all I could do to avoid arrest. I had to bribe the local watch commander not to take us away, to give us time to secure papers from your government to prove this. But we are still under surveillance. You... you didn't lead them here, did you? No, no, we were able to escape Poland and elude the KGB. I am confident we eluded the volunteer watch. How telling. So, you wish to escape and return to Europe? It seems we have no chance of enjoying the freedom of America any longer, Mr. Greenstreet. The war may continue on for many more years. Mishka and I simply want a chance to live and work and raise a family. Is that your desire as well, Mishka? Of course. And how long have the two of you been married? Three years. Ah, the fires of passion must still burn bright within you both. I presume this makes my proposal a more difficult one for you? Yes. Yes, it does. I love my wife very much, Mr. Greenstreet. Be that as it may, let me restate the terms one last time. I will arrange for the two of you to exit the country. You will arrive in northern Greece and be led by caravan to your destination. Now, in exchange for your complicated egress, Miss Rosenko will spend 24 hours as my servant and tend to my needs. From your expression, Mr. Rosenko, you still have reservations? I understand. Mishka is quite beautiful. I just wish your terms were not so... So... <laughs> I understand, but understand my position. I am taking a great risk here. I could be charged with treason. At best, I might just lose my whole empire of businesses. I think if I'm to risk so much for you, for the little money you've offered, I should enter that risk, having known the exquisite charms of a woman like Mishka. <laughs> Mishka, either you are very fascinated by my Persian carpet, or you're still undecided regarding this venture. What say you of this bargain? Better I give one night to you than my life to a prison. Mishka. Elegantly said, and an excellent way of seeing things. Are you sure, my love? Y yes, dearest. <sighs> yes. Sandra! Yes, Mr. Greenstreet. <laughs> Send in Mr. Klaus, please. At once, sir. When do you wish, uh, I mean, when... There is no gratification like the instant kind, Mr. Rosenko. Besides, if you were paid a visit from Homeland Guard, your sudden escape from surveillance no doubt puts you in grave peril. Mr. Klaus here will escort you to our offices and occupy your mind with preparations for your journey. I'm not one for long goodbyes, so... Das Vidanya, Shazlevava Puti. Goodbye, my love. Goodbye, Sasha. I love you. Now, hmm, what sacrifice you've made for love, Mishka. What shall I do now? Now, we drink. I... I do not drink. You will tonight. Come.
sit by me. There. You are quite beautiful, and I mean in the classic definition, a wonderful example of the Greek concept of perfect proportion. Please, sample the wine. I insist. It is delightful, I assure you. I am flattered. I'm sure it is something you hear often, and your physique. Perhaps I would have you dance for me. Of course. Hmm. This is unusual. Quite good, actually. It is a sweet wine, but I find the texture appealing. Such exquisite features you have. Sasha is a lucky man. Please, I don't wish to discuss him. Honestly, it breaks my heart what he is feeling. Of course, I am sure his heart is breaking about now as well. But let's continue to talk about you, my dear, and what you will do for me. Dance, of course, I will. I feel strange. I relax, sweet Mishka. It is your nerves, the strain of the day, perhaps. You will be perfectly fine. Listen to my voice. Can you hear me, my dear? Of course, I can. I. This is strange. You've poisoned me. No, my dear, I've collared you. I can tell that you wish to lash out at me, but you cannot. You will not. Very good. What is wrong with me? I am frightened. Our house red comes from the mistress's personal vineyard. She calls it Venom de la Vigne, the venom of the vine. It provides a euphoric experience, but leaves one open to suggestions. I have to confess now, Mishka, I led you here under false pretenses. What? And I am sorry that I was the one to set the homeland guard on your scent. I needed you to come to a decision, my dear. A man in my position must know if he is being set up, and I thought you might be playing me, but I realized. You were playing Sasha as well. What? Oh, come now, my dear. You didn't escape Russia so easily. Your husband can barely elude my own men keeping a loose tail on him. You were heading back to Mother Russia for a reason, and certainly not to raise a family. Why would you say all this? Oh, you sweet, delectable onion! So many layers to you. I wonder. Would you truly have surrendered yourself to my attentions? Would you have slit my neck, as you have so many others? Ah,、oh, that's my secret entrance, dear. I would love to have you in my little circle of affection, but you're more valuable to someone I like much more. You can take comfort in knowing that the touch of your true master is much more agreeable than mine. Rather, your mistress rise when the mistress enters, Mishka. <laughs> Very good, mistress. Your venom appears to be working. And you? Are you so grotesquely obese that you cannot stand for your mistress, Mister Greenstreet? I am standing in my heart, mistress. Glutter swine, Mishka Rojenko. 
If Mr. Greenstreet had overstated your beauty, I would have had him flogged. But he is not. He was incorrect, however, when he commanded you to rise. I am mistress above all penumbra. For me, you kneel. Very good. What do you want of me? Why, I want all of you. And I have you. To my right is Talon. You will address her as mistress. She will be responsible for you. Obey her as you would me, for she is my voice when I am not present. What a Sasha. Do not ask questions. There is only Mistress Penumbra. Her empire and your service. Learn that soon and learn it well. Your husband, like escape, is but a dream now. No, no, Sasha. No, Sasha, beloved. Oh, she struggles. Perhaps she did not have enough of the venom, Mr. Greenstreet. I expect she will be difficult to break. If she is who you claim she is, you'll have your hands full no matter how much venom de la vigne flows through her perfect body. I believe it, staring into those ice-cold Russian eyes. Talon, take her to her room. Prepare her. Start immediately. Do not be gentle. <laughs> Yavol, my mistress. Come, girl. Very good. This is my lash. You will come to know its sting. Is it too soon to renegotiate part of my compensation, mistress? You disgusting boil. I do your bidding, mistress, because it pleases me to please you. What of the husband? There's a factory in Harborside. It processes the meat product we include in the ration sent to our soldiers overseas. Since beef is at a premium, let's say they will take whatever meat they can get. Diabolical, Mr. Greenstreet. <laughs> Thank you, mistress. Your generosity is boundless, of course. I do enjoy it when we can work together. These opportunities are growing too uncommon as our mutual interests diverge. I think our mutual interests shall align again quite soon, you fat, perverted grease stain. <laughs> Excellent, mistress. Mistress Penumbra, an imposing collection of curves clad in skin-tight, snake-like skin and robed in silk, carries herself like a queen through the shadowy chambers and hallways of Club Penumbra. As she crosses the paths of those she employs, dancers and servants, singers and gangsters, they all kneel before her, averting their eyes until she is passed. There is an air of fear, but also one of desire for this dark figure. Alone, she enters a room through a heavy oak door and locks it from the inside. Before her, a great bay window overlooks the twinkling lights of Hidden Harbor and the Atlantic Ocean sparkling under a full moon beyond. Without taking notice of the sinister-looking man standing by her fireplace, she pours herself a scotch from the drink stand and stares out into her shadowy empire. What of the robbery? It did not go well. That is 
Unfortunate. Tell me briefly and clearly why. Spare me all excuse. When the team revealed itself, it succeeded in collecting all the money from the fund and valuables from the guests. That was my lowest priority. Paying the help. Unfortunately, they were not able to take any of it from the museum. I see. What about the primary objective? We did not succeed in securing the deputy mayor or any of the council members. Did you secure anyone? No, mistress. Why not? The Fem Phantom. <laughs> really? The lights went out. There was gunplay, and when they came back on, half our men were down. Three are missing, including Rathborn. Rathborn should fear nothing. He should do just as I command him. Fortunately, I have taken steps to ensure that none of them will be of any risk to our operation. Y yes, Mistress. I have two proposals that will achieve the same objectives. So to sum up, Mr. Lucas, you failed to meet your primary, secondary, and tertiary objectives. This is how you would describe something that did not go well, is it? To my mind, that is synonymous with abject failure. They did not anticipate the femme phantom. No, but you should have. She was seen twice tonight. The neighborhood watch reported that she took on a dozen men at once, and earlier she confronted one of our men in the field. That makes twelve total appearances with increasing frequency. Mr. Lucas, I realize you are not a brilliant man, but I selected you for your ability to anticipate and address the variables, especially in light of how you hid your sins from the police for so long. Do you know what this means? I can find her, mistress. I can capture her for you. I doubt that very much. You know what needs to be done. The covenant of Malzut must be honored. But, but, mistress, I have family. So did the little boys whose lives you corrupted. I do not abide continued failure. If you cannot serve me, you have no place in my organization. You can't. You won't. I won't let you. Sad little man. These fingers gripping your throat can be kind and merciful. This might be the kindest touch you felt in a long time. No man lays his hands upon me unless I command it. Mr. Kozlov, please send Mr. Klaus to my office. Mr. Lucas has given notice. Have his body placed with Mr. Ryshenko. Thank you, Mr. Kozlov. Femme Phantom, they call you. You're out there somewhere, and I will have you. You're too sweet a treat to be left untasted. Across town at the Getz Museum, the police have closed the crime scene and dozens of frightened guests have returned to their homes. In the middle of the night, in a dark corner of the museum's labyrinthine basement, Cat Sparrow and Casper Dixon interrogate their reluctant guest. A bloodied pale man sits under a harsh spotlight tied to an oak chair. Defiantly, he glares into the darkness, searching for his captors and any sign of the Femme Phantom.
robbing a charity ball. There aren't enough betting parlors or gin joints around here to knock over? We didn't turn you over to the police, so I think you owe us some talking time, chump. I owe you nothing. But speaking of, what time is it? Time to talk. Heath the Rat Rathborn. You got a record longer than your forehead. Just got out of Denver prison in New York three weeks ago on a burglary rap. Great. You can write my eulogy. So what? What time is it, girly? Well, after midnight. What? You can't tell time? How much after midnight? Why? I got a train to catch. Just tell me. Half of your men are dead. The rest are gone. You don't owe them anything, man. Which gang sent you? Nightwatch? The People's Community Trust? The dregs? All of the above, mister. I'm betting it's nearly quarter to three. I can... I can feel it in my gut. Your gut can tell time. You're a fascinating character. Tell me more. Eh, he's biding his time. What happens at three? I said quarter till, you imbecile. The mistress has a sense of humor, she does. (laughs) You know the tune, right? It's a quarter to three. Ain't nobody in the place except you and me. (laughs) That one. The mistress? You don't look so good. She told me if I didn't make it back by quarter till, I'd have one last drink on her. (coughs) Who? Oh, what is that smell? Cleaning fluid? Look at his mouth, he's bleeding. (coughs) That woman, such a sense of humor. (coughs) That's right. One more for my baby and... (coughs) One more for the... As their prisoner's throat and mouth fill with noxious foam, what secrets will he take with him if our heroes cannot save him? Will Barbara and her team trace this mistress to the villainous Mistress Penumbra and, in turn, businesswoman Agnes Alrene? And what of the fate of Mishka Rosenko? Tune in tomorrow as we continue Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Hidden Harbor Mysteries Chapter 3, A Matter of the Mind, was written by Jay Smith and produced by Brian Lincoln, with Dave Robison as the narrator, Veronica Jaguer as Barbara Wilson, Catherine Pride as Mistress Penumbra, Laura Nicole as Cat Sparrow, James Baxter Patton as Casper Dixon, M. Sierra Garcia as Mistress Talon, Rish Outfield as Lucas, Brian Humphrey as Sasha Roshenko, Lauren Harris as Mishka Roshenko, Alex White as Greenstreet, Pat Crane as Heath Rathborn, May Rogue Sally Pax as Sandra, John Lincoln as a guest and a thug, and Brian Lincoln as a thug. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. Closing music is Here We Go Again for the First Time by Juicy Melon Jim.
This has been a Brian Lincoln production. Just like the Omni timepiece from Voyagers, only for audio, has Dad fall out of the sky at- Sorry, we're out of time. We're out of time? But I was just getting to the good part. You can tell me. But you already know. Hmm, well, I can pretend I don't know. Pretend? Beats not being able to tell anybody. Okay, so when they fall out of the sky, they end up in the next week's Sonic Society features. Sometimes they go to double features. See you next week, folks. Right here on the Sonic Society. I'm Rory Ward for Column Ward. The Sonic Society Season 10 is written and produced by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music provided by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society through Creative Commons licensing. The Sonic Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Apparently you enjoy listening to audio dramas since you're hearing this message. I'll keep it short so you can get back to the fun stuff. If you would like to see and experience how all these stories, voices, sound effects, and music come together to create theater of the mind, make plans to visit the Modern Audio Drama Convention in Halifax, Nova Scotia, July 24th through 26th, 2020. Meet the creators. Find out how to write, record, mix, sweeten, and produce movies that play in your head. See what the voices you hear actually look like. We never look like we sound. For all the details, visit madcon.com. That's M-A-D, as in modern audio drama, then dash, as in dash on over, then con, as in convention, duh, then dot, as in it'll be the most fun you've had in a while, period, then com, as in come on over, we'll love to see you. Madcon, your ears and brain will thank you.